I want to I want to talk to you tonight and do a Bible study tonight on a specific subject um, and um, for for bearing um, in Ephesians chapter four verse number two we um, we find a verse verse number two with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering and then the Bible says for bearing one another in love for bearing one another in love. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. I want to look at two men here in Philippians chapter 2, and then I want to talk about forbearing in love. Timothy in chapter uh, 2, verse 19, I, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send you Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be a good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ, but ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also may myself shall come shortly. Then there's a man in the next several verses there, Epaphroditus. And Paul speaks of this man, Epaphroditus, yet I supposedly, or yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my companion in labor, fellow soldier, but your messenger, and that he may be minister, that he ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick. For indeed, he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on him also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I may be the, the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such a reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. And Paul is giving these two men, he's going to send Timothy to this church. He's also going to send back Epaphroditus, who is from there, that Epaphroditus had brought them the gift um, that uh, Paul's ne- to minister to Paul's necessities while he was there in Rome. While he's there in Rome, Epaphroditus gets sick and and uh, isn't able to to um, go back as maybe as soon as he had planned to. And Paul says, "You heard about this? They were sorrowful for him. They 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 were uh, hurt and 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 concerned about the, his health condition." And now Epaphroditus is able to go back, and Paul is receiving him. And Paul makes a comment that you know because he gets better, I'm I'm. I'm in a place and I'm sorrowful and for Epaphroditus to die just would have brought more sorrow upon me, but that didn't happen. And now he's a man that was coming to minister to, to Paul and minister to his needs. And now he's heading back. Timothy is a man that Paul is going to send to go and minister to the needs of those that are at Philippi. And so we have two men, and their their main objective or their main goal is to to minister, to to forbear, or to strengthen the brethren. We find in Paul's epistle to the church at Ephesus in chapter four, verse two. Again, uh, let's start in verse number one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where wherewith you are called. Now, when Paul is speaking of that word vocation, obviously Paul's not speaking of the job, the, the, that occupation that maybe pays their bills when we think of a vocation. Paul is speaking of what God has called them to do, what, what God has given them to do, that vocation, that you walk worthy of it. And he says, then how to walk worthy of it? In verse number two, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. And then I want you to just underline these words as we, we really dive into this thought tonight. Forbearing one another in love. 
forbearing one another in love, in endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. This, there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. He starts in verse number four of there's one body. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he is penning these, whether it be Ephesus or the church at Philippi, as he's writing these epistles, Paul is, is, is appealing to the Christians here on how to walk worthy, how to walk worthy or how to behave in Christ-likeness. Now, I, I believe this, and I, I want to I get, in talking of this subject of forbearing, I want to I really share my heart with you this evening. Because we see something that Paul is going to describe, and we see it even in action in individuals, uh, Timothy or Epaphroditus or even Paul himself, this act of forbearing. This, this act of holding up or caring. And it's a very important part of the church. It, it's, it's an extremely important part of the church. It's, it's what, what the church does when they come together. And, and I know when the church comes together, it does multiple things. We, we worship the Lord. We, we magnify the Lord. We, but we forbear. We strengthen. We, we hold up. I, I'm at times amazed with, with, especially during a political season like we're, we're coming out of, sometimes the, the lack of maybe spiritual maturity as, as not even necessarily how the world behaves, but even as Christians behave. Where life can get so... Um, divisive and so uh, our minds so set on things that are really non-important for the kingdom that if we're not careful, we forget or we fail to do the things that are so necessary in the church. Last evening, we um, started a men's Bible study. A good group of men showed up for that Bible study. And before we started that Bible study, we, we spent some time in prayer. Scott's leading that. I heard last night was just a great, a great Bible study. Good start. But as I looked around the, the room in, the, in that Bible study as, as we began, I, I noticed that there were some people in that room that were, they were just heavy-hearted. And... Really, when, when our church gathers, even, even this evening, there are, some, there are some people in this room this evening that are just heavy, heavy-hearted, carrying major burdens. One of those, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so um, forbear with me, all right? Stay with me. One of those men in the, in the room was um, uh, Robert Robert Miller. Roberts came home and they're going to be heading back to North Carolina to care for his father-in-law. Um, he's hurting extremely, extremely bad. I mean, it just horribly bad with the loss of his daughter. This might not mean much to just the average person, but um, Olivia, um, his daughter that passed away, had a dog. She loved animals. She loved animals. And she had a couple, they had a couple dogs that were kind of like rescue dogs. And one was Olivia's. And before Olivia passed, not long before, they found out that the dog had um, brain cancer and, and was really suffering. And they knew eventually they were going to have to put the dog down um, and uh, the dog was really just having problems walking, and you could tell the dog had some, some, some issues. 
well, within the, just within a few days after Olivia died, it got to the place where the dog was doing so bad that they had to take the dog to the vet and they had to put the dog down as well. And that's hard enough in itself, but when it's only a few days after your daughter's death and it's her dog, it just makes things so much more difficult. You know, and again, we think, well, it's just a, it's just a pet. It's, it's your daughter's pet. It's a tough decision. Just a few weeks later, they find out that her dad, Tracy's dad, is diagnosed with cancer. And um, not, not, uh, not looking really good. And it just seems, it just seems like bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. Have you ever, have you ever been in a, a place in your life where it just seems like you just can't get, you can't get above water to, to take a breath? My, my wife, when she was younger, elementary school or so, she, um, she, she drowned. They, they um, had to give her CPR and bring her back. And she tells me this, she remembers trying to get air and, and not being able to get air and, and just swallowing water. And then she'd go down and then come back up to try to get air and just take in more water and <clears throat> scary, scary feeling. And sometimes the things that we go through in life can feel that way where we just, we can't catch our breath. We can't get that air that we need to breathe. I, we've been praying for the last several weeks with Larry Danforth, you know, just, just, a few days before she went in the hospital, everything was fine. She was just having some, just having some pain and, and needed the pain got enough where she wasn't able to eat that she felt she needed to go to the emergency room, just figured it was something that they could just treat and send her home. But through that exploratory surgery that they were doing to figure out what was wrong, they found fourth stage cancer and one day she was just having some stomach pains and just, the doctor will treat this and let's go home. And the next day she finds out she's got fourth stage cancer. And then within another couple of days, they tell her six to 12 months, there's nothing else they could do. And these are, these are, this is our church. These are our people. <laughs> this, is, this is our body. Stay with me. I'm, 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 I'm going to go someplace. I promise you. I've mentioned Jim the other couple weeks ago. Prayed with Jim last night. Jim took his wife. She's battling with um, just dementia, Alzheimer's, and just she's struggling and had to take her into a hospital to get treatment to hopefully just change her meds and get her back on track. And Jim still works. And so... He had he has to continue to work, obviously, and um, she was home, and so he takes her in, and that was a week before Thanksgiving, Jim. A week before Thanksgiving, in November, Jim hasn't seen Bonnie since a week before Thanksgiving. After they get some things settled, they the doctors tell Jim. Her condition's not going to improve to where she's going to be able to go home and care for herself or she's going to require care and you're not going to be able to give her that care and a very difficult decision was made to put her into a care facility. And um, because of COVID, Jim's not able to see her. Until unless something changes or both of them are able to get vaccinated and he's going to be allowed in. And that looks like it's probably not going to be until March of some time. Imagine going through life from November to March, not being able to, to communicate, not being able to see your wife in the strong possibility when he does see her the next time, she may not know who he is. That's difficult. It's extremely, extremely hard. 
and those are those are just a few. Those are just a few people that in our church that are hurting. Sunday morning, I preached in the first service, and as I do in every service, at the end, I give the, the gospel and invite someone to, to trust Christ. And there was a girl in the very back, and I didn't recognize her. I didn't see who she was. I couldn't recognize who she was. But when I asked if someone wanted to receive the gospel, she raised her hand. And I, I always, I, I, I kind of got double back, you know, just make sure now you want to be saved. If you, if you, she kept her hand up. After this first service, I ran back and I, I uh, wanted to, to meet her and I wanted to speak to her and make sure she understood and met her and her name is Jessica. And I said, Jessica, how, you know, how, are you here alone? She said, I am. I said, how'd you hear about the church? She said, I, I just was searching for a church and found it on the internet and just wanted to come. I said, do you know anybody here? She says, I don't know anybody here. And then she just began to, I mean, just began to cry. We stood right in the back of the auditorium, just tears flowing. I said, Jessica, how old are you? She said, I'm 20. I said, Jessica, what, what, what can I help you with? She said, well, I, I'm newly married and I got pregnant and I, uh, I just lost a baby. And the first place that she runs to is the house of God. It's church. And it wasn't even her church. She's trying to find someone. She's trying to find a place because her heart is broken and she needs healing. And I was able to introduce her to another lady in our church that has, has had miscarry, uh, twins, miscarried twins and, as able to connect them. And I looked out after this, uh, I was preaching the second service. I looked out and there, there she was sitting on this side of the auditorium, the second service. And uh, I caught her after service and she said this, everyone was so kind to me. The message, the, the music was so helpful to me. She said, the message was, uh, okay. Um, and this is what she said. I just had to stay a second time. It was interesting as I just listened to this and I, this week, and I'm just giving you a few, a few prayer requests, a few concerns. The Davisons, uh, Mary and Doug Davison, 90 days in the hospital. There's a great need for the church to forbear. And we can get very, very busy and very, very consumed with things all around us that we lose sight of our responsibility is to forbear. Scott, come here for a minute. That forbear to, to hold up, to, to help. You just shocked me, Scott. Stop dragging, your, stop dragging your feet when you walk. Your, your mother didn't teach you that? Huh? There, there's people in our church. There's people in our family. There's people all around us that God brings to us. And you know what they're, going, they're doing? They're They're falling. They're, they're ready to just fall. No, don't, don't fall. You're too big for me to hold up. And I got a headache, remember? They're going to fall. And they need someone to forbear or, 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 or hold them up to, to keep them from falling, to keep them from, from feeling like they're hopeless or feeling like they're it's all, it's all gone. It's done. And, and they need someone that comes alongside of them that just simply holds them up. 
And, and, and this is the thing, Scott, there's so many people all around us that, that need this. Cause if I let go, you're going to fall. And, and I'm called to do this. I'm called to help. And sometimes if we're not careful, the church can get too busy to, to do this. And then Scott's and Jessica's and whoever else it may be, they just fall. And then if we're not careful, we'll just, who is that one person? They used to come. They used to, they used to kind of sit over here. I don't know what happened to them. Remember that person? They, they, they used to come. I don't remember their name. They, they may have sing once in a while. Whatever happened to them? And you know what, in many cases, what happened to them? There was nobody there doing this to them, holding them up, forbearing, helping, encouraging. And go ahead, sit down, Scott, thanks. I wanted you to see that visual of, of holding somebody. Because it, it's, it takes work. It, it, it takes someone that is determined that I'm with, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. There's, there's, an, there's an attitude, um, spirit, or a behavior that a Christian is supposed to emulate in Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, it gives us a list of, of these attributes or these characteristics that we're, we need to have if we're going to live a pleasing life to the Lord. God uses his church, God uses us as individuals to forbear. And you know, it's not natural. The, the natural thing for most of us is not to come into, and I don't even mean on a Sunday necessarily, because the, the body's always we're always the body of Christ. It's not like, well, we're only the church on Sunday. But sometimes I think the modern day church has gotten to the place where church is just something that we do on Sunday and then we, we scatter. Or church is just something I do for me. When what we realize is God puts us in a calling or in a occupation or in a vocation or in a place so that we, we forbear, we encourage, we, we keep the brethren from falling. We keep them from being discouraged. We, we help them. We, the Epaphroditus or the Timothys, their, their name, when we hear their name, we know help is coming. Help is on the way. Several years ago, we were looking at a house when we were in Cincinnati, and we were going to we were going to build a house. So my wife and I were were inside of this model home, and and we heard this this car screech, and then crash like this this major crash. And one of our kids were just sitting out in the car, and I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them come running into the house as we were kind of coming out the door to see what that was, and they said. Dad, this car just crashed. It just crashed right, right at that telephone pole. And sure enough, it came around a turn and, and I mean, head on right into a, right into a pole. And um, I went running. Well, I walked fastly up to the, to the car. And um, it, was a, you know, it was an older gentleman he didn't have a seatbelt on, and when he hit the pole, he, he went down into the passenger side and got lodged down into that, down in the passenger side. And, and so I, I, just like I did with Scott, I, I put my hands underneath of his arms to try to pull him out, and he was, he was stuck down in that. I couldn't pull him out. And I, I was talking to him, and I, I just said, you know, sir, we're going we're gonna to get you help. Just, just hang in there. And I was trying to pull him out, and we got 911 on the phone, and they, they said, you know, get him out in the car, you know, get, lay him on the ground, but do your best. And I, I remember trying to, 
he was a bigger guy and I couldn't get him out. And I, I remember saying to the 911 operator through the, someone was holding that phone. I said, I can't, I can't get him out. And I, I just, for, it seemed like forever. I, I was just in that car on the passenger side, just holding him up so he could, you could take a breath and he could breathe. And I'd say to him, stay, stay with me. Help's on the way. Cause I just knew if somebody else could come, maybe another guy could come and we could pull this guy out. And I said, don't stay with me. Help's on the way. And I got into his glove department and I got his name off his registration card. And so I was using his name and I just said, you know, I forget what, what is now, but I said, stay with me. Help's on the way. And I heard the ambulance sirens. And when I, when I heard the ambulance sirens, I thought, I thought, all right, their help is coming. Where we were at, though, was, was kind of like the end of the, the county, and they were building houses out there. And so the addresses were still messed up in the, the 911 system. So I heard the ambulance coming, but the ambulance, it seemed like it was just coming forever, and it never got there because they just couldn't figure out what road to get on to get to where we were going. And it seemed like it just took forever. And in that process, I remember the guy, as I'm holding him, telling him, stay with me, stay with me. He went, and that was it. And I said, you, you, you didn't just take your last breath on me. Come on, breathe again. And I was, it was those ambulance lights or sirens, I could hear them but they couldn't get quick enough. They couldn't get there quick enough. And it was too late. As I was holding him, I, he took that last breath. And I'll never forget that feeling of, I could hear the sirens, but they couldn't get there to help. And they couldn't get there soon enough, and that fellow took that last breath. I wonder how many people in church so much need that forbearing. And I think about Jessica that comes in the church, and I'm so glad that she got needs met. I'm so glad that she connected with someone, but I wonder how many people sit in a church and they hear the laughter, they hear the talk, they hear what goes on but they're needing someone to reach out. They need someone to help. They need someone to forbear. They need someone to, to hold them up. And we've got to understand that, you know, church, it's not a natural thing. Well, I'm holding Scott up there. It looks pretty silly, doesn't it? And it's not a natural thing because most of us, it's not easy just to Walk up to someone, hey, Alan, how are you? What can I help you with today? How can I forbear for you? It's not a natural thing to behave, but it is, it is something that we can do if we allow the Spirit of God to, to minister through us. And Paul challenges us to behave in such a way that our doctrine, what we believe, what we get taught, what we know is seen in how we behave. The, the, the Christians or the, these, these, these followers of Jesus, they were, they were first called Christian in Antioch. Why were they called Christians in Antioch? Because of how they behaved. They were, they were given a name Christian because they behaved like Christians, like they behaved like Christ. We learn so much and we know so much about the Bible. We know so much about what the Bible says. We, we are, we're, for many of us, if not all of us, we're grounded in our doctrine. We, we, know, we know what the Bible has to say on a matter. We know what the Bible means. We know what we should know. And we're grounded in that. And we're not going to change that. We know our doctrine. 
But the church must behave in such a way to where we behave in our doctrine that we know is seen in how we behave. It's one thing to know the Bible. It's another thing to let the Bible change your behavior. It's one thing to know that we're to forbear. It's another thing to do it. Bear ye one another's burdens. And what's the Bible say? So fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing a burden. We know what the Bible says. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We know what the Bible says. We believe in it. But Paul is teaching them through a man by the name of Timothy, this faithful servant that's going to come and, and he's going to minister to them. And, and I know that when, when Timothy comes to Philippi and he begins to minister to those at Philippi, he is going to not just teach them what the Bible says, he's also going to meet their needs. He's going to behave like he's teaching. This Epaphroditus is one that came in, 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 he was grounded. He was one of the church at Philippi. He was well known. He, they cared for him and, and he cared for them. And to the place that when they thought he was nigh to death, they, they were sorrowful, but, and they were rejoicing when they found out that he wasn't uh, nigh to death, but he was one that was willing to, to know what the word of God says, but he was also one to behave and fulfill what the word of God says. And because of that, Paul says of Epaphroditus, he encouraged me. He strengthened me. Why? Because Paul is in a Roman jail. Paul is in a place away from the brethren. And here comes a man from Philippi with, with things that are going to meet Paul's needs. And he's going to minister to Paul or he's going to forbear Paul in love. He's going to hold him up. He's going to to suffer with him. And we come to that verse in Ephesians, forbearing one another in love. And Paul reminds us that in that first verse, go back to verse number one of Ephesians chapter four. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And Paul reminds us that he is a prisoner in verse number one. But what's he say? Am I a prisoner of Rome? Am I a prisoner of the Jews? Am I a prisoner of Caesar? Am I a prisoner at Philippi? No, Paul is a prisoner of the Lord. He's, he's identifying this, that it's the Lord that has control of him. He's no longer a free man. He's no longer free to, to do what he pleases to do and live how he pleases to live or how he desires, but rather it's now it's the Lord that's in charge of him. And in verse number one, in order for us to get to the place with lowliness and meekness and long-suffering for bearing one another in love, we first have to understand that we belong to the Lord. We're, 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 we're for his use. And church, God has placed so many people in our midst that need people to come alongside them and encourage them and strengthen them and, and hold them up and, 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 and help them from falling. And in the only way that we're going to accomplish that is for us to see that we belong to Christ. And what Christ desires for us as his church, how to behave, how to function. When I was um, new, new in the ministry, my, um, I, my pastor at the time said, do you, um, uh, do, you feel, do you believe God's called you to preach? And I said, yeah. And he said, then why aren't you? I said, because you never give me an opportunity to. He said, oh, you, you, want, you want my job? I said, no, not all the time, but you know, every once in a while, maybe. And he says, well, if God's called you to preach, why aren't you doing it? And so I preached in nursing homes and 
every Monday night, we'd go to the, the county jail and we'd have Bible studies in there. And when we would get in the jail, we, um, we uh, would watch the guys that they're in cuffs and, and uh, some of them even in, in ch- shackles. And there'd be a line of them and they're, they're always going in the direction that the guard tells them to go. They, they weren't free to say, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go on this block over here instead of the block I belong to over here. They, they lost all of their liberty and all their freedom for them to decide what they were going to do and where they were going to go. It was the person that was in charge that was telling them, stop here, go in here go into this cell, do this, go into this room. And I think of that when I see that when Paul says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, I think of that as we aren't the ones that decide. We don't have the freedoms anymore. We don't have the liberty to decide what I'm going to do with my life anymore. It's, it's really dependent upon God to tell us what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and where we're going to do go and in who he wants us to minister to. You see, the Lord is interested in people being cared for. The Lord is so interested in human beings in us as individuals that he sent his son to die so that he could spend eternity with us. That's how interested God is. That's how much God loves people. That's how much God loves you. He cares about your needs. He cares about your, your, um, uh, your hurts. He cares about your pain. He cares that you, you're ministered to. And so what does God do? How does he minister to those that he cares about and those that he loves? He uses you and he uses me. So when an Allen comes in and an Allen is, is hurting and an Allen needs to, someone to hold him up and, 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 and forbear and, 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 and suffer with him, what does the Lord do? He uses a, a Kevin or a Jeremy or whoever else it may be, a Scott, to, to forbear. And what are we doing this for? We're, we're doing it because this is what God's desire is so that he is encouraged, so that He sees Christ. The Lord sets Paul's schedule now. And that's why when Paul ends up in in a Roman jail, Paul's not upset and complaining because he's, he's in prison. He realizes this is God's good pleasure. This is what God's doing. The Lord dictates Paul's movements now. The Lord now instructs Paul on how to behave. And then Paul is simply writing then to the church at Ephesus. This is now, this is what God's plan is. This is what is calling for our life is. And this is how we must walk. We must walk lowly and meek and long suffering for bearing one another in love. You see, a person with an authority issue will never see themselves as Paul sees himself in verse one. Now, a Christian might never say, God, I'm not, maybe never say this out loud. God, I'm not going to do what you want. But when we, when we cease to allow the Lord to control our life and, and for him to decide where we go and for him to lead us and for him to use us to minister, what we're essentially saying is, Lord, I'll decide for my life what I'm going to do. One of, the, one of the dangers, one of the dangers of this last year or so that, is, that has taken place, and, there, and there, are, there are some people, and I want to I be very careful with this, there are some people, they physically, if they were to, if they were to get the virus, they... It would be it would be very 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 bad for them. But for some, if we're not careful, we've gotten to the place where this last year has been an excuse for us not to be the church that God has called us to be. 
all while people are still suffering. And I thought about this church. I thought about this Sunday. What if Jessica would have walked into church on Sunday and nobody was here? I, I, don't, I don't believe that it was a mistake. I don't believe it was just happen chance. I don't believe... I, I believe that it was God's divine plan and leading when he sends someone to our church. It's his purpose. And yes, she's got to be following the Lord. But you know what has to be there waiting for her? A church willing to forbear. A church willing to serve. Church is not a spectator sport where we come, watch what's happening, and dismiss. And we maybe even cheer a few times during the program. When the body of Christ gathers together, the body of Christ gathers together so that needs can be met and so that people can be ministered to, so that God can use his people, what he's called you to, to be lowly and meek and with all long suffering, to forbear someone in love. That's how the church should operate. How many of you have ever been at a time in your life where you had a need? <laughs> several, several years ago, my, um, there was just a lot, a lot going on in my life. I, I was ministering and I was uh, in Cincinnati, a ton going on. I mean, I was, I, I was weighing over my head. My, um, my dad had died. I mean, it, it, I, it was a difficult, difficult time. And I remember sitting in an in a auditorium on the first row. That auditorium that we were at there was about 1,100 seats, so twice or so as big as this auditorium would be. It was filled. I mean, people everywhere. And I remember sitting on that first row in a room full of people. I mean, a crowded auditorium. And I remember feeling like the loneliest person in the world. And there's all this activity going on all around. But I remember feeling like the loneliest person in the world because of the weight of everything. You know what I so desperately needed, Scott? I needed someone to just hold me up. I needed someone to bear a burden with me. I needed someone to, to emulate Christ. I needed someone to come along and just, I needed to find encouragement. And I believe that when the people of God meet, when the children of God come together and they come together to serve him and to worship him, and we come together with the right acknowledgement that we are prisoners of the Lord. I do what he tells me to do. I go where he tells me to go. I serve where he tells me to serve. He's going to lead us to people that need to see him. He's going to lead us to people. I had a, that same pastor that told me to find a place to preach. His went on to tell me this. He said, if you, if you preach to hurting people, you'll always have an audience. If you, hurt, if you preach to hurting people, you'll always have an audience because people are hurting. Verse two instructs us. It helps us understand until we submit that the Lord is in control until we submit to the fact that the Lord is in charge, it will be difficult for us to forbear. See, doctrine teaches us what to live, but submission then to the Lord allows us 
the how to live what we know to live. Doctrine teaches us what to live. But I've got to be submissive to the Lord, Walter, and put that doctrine in application, in, in, in actually doing it. We know that we're supposed to love. We know that we're supposed to, to help. We know that we're supposed to serve. Why? Because the Bible tells us that, and we believe the Bible. But not until I submit to the Lord and I see myself as a prisoner of the Lord do I realize that now, Lord, whatever you desire <laughs> is what my calling is to do. See, the hardest problem in living as Paul instructs us is for us to keep in mind, keep in mind who we're living for. My, um, my neighbor... Several, several months ago, during, during, the, during the middle of summer, my family was away for a couple days, and Jacob called us and, and said, um, hey, our, our neighbor, the, they called the life squad, and he only knows that because he has a radio from Monclova, so he knew it was our neighbor, so he went out on the porch and watched as the life squad, squad pulled up, and he knew what it was, again, from from the guys that he worked with and, and uh, the radio call that came by, but it came over that there was a, a uh, attempted suicide. Very next door neighbor. And so we were obviously concerned and praying. And during that same time frame, just, just, just a week or two before that, we did a series. I don't know if you guys saw that we did a series on depression and, and um, uh, discouragement, depression, and put a five-day series out on that. And um, I wanted to help him, and it was one of those, I'd say to Michelle, I don't, I mean, do you just knock on his door and say, hey, I, I heard you were struggling. I just wanted to talk to you. I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you just insert yourself? But I said this to Michelle, I said, our next door neighbor has a Christian and, and a pastor living next door to him. Like if, if I was hurting and I knew a Christian, a pastor was living next door to me, wouldn't I expect him to help me? <laughs> and so I did, I prayed, I said, God, give me an opportunity. I want to, I want to let me be a blessing to him. But I, I want, I want you to open that door. And I mean, it was just within a matter of a short period of time after asking the Lord to open that door, God put me and him face to face in his driveway, began to talk, and we stood out in that driveway. I mean, it got dark. We were smacking the mosquitoes on us, and God made that happen. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have orchestrated it if I wanted to. God put that together and we began to talk about things and, and um, 30 or so minutes went by after talking with him. I was able to share the gospel with him and, and, and share with him how the gospel changes us and, and it gives us purpose in life. And then, and then the, the word of God. And, and by the time we were all finished and, and uh, he was getting ready to just go away with his family for a few days, go camping, I said, do me a favor. Would you take those five weeks? I said, and while you're gone, maybe just listen to them. I said, or five nights, about an hour or so long each. And came back from that being away for a few days. And it, he listened to every single one of them. He was encouraged by them. I found out through deeper conversation that he had trusted Christ when he was younger at a camp. He knew, knew the truth, but he just hadn't lived that life. And it's amazing how asking God to give an opportunity, how close we've become. Even the difference with everyone that it's just, before it was like just the normal neighbor wave. Hey, you didn't have to look. You knew them were there. Hey. And now we're stopping and talking and 
because I want God to use me to forbear in love and show someone Christ. How can I forbear someone in love? Hold them up. Allow help for someone to stand. Sometimes, church, we need to slow things down. Sometimes we just need to stop being busy or stop needing to get to the next place and just take the time necessary with the person that God has put in front of us. When I walked in the second service, Jim, I'm telling on you too much tonight. I'm sorry. I walked in shaking hands and be honest with you, my goal on Sundays that I just want to shake everyone's hand. I don't want anybody to leave and say, preach it and shake my hand. And that not necessarily being a bad thing, but it was like the Lord stopped me in my tracks with Jessica after the first service. And then stop me like a second time in the song service and during the second service. Because I'm doing everything I can to, to just make sure I'm fist bumping everybody that comes in the church. You know, just line them up. Now look over and there's Jim. It is well with my soul. Jim's tears just... you know what? I didn't care what was going on. I didn't care that I had to preach in just a few minutes. I'm going to go stand next to Jim. And he's tall, so I'm going to put my arm up around Jim. And I'm going to sing it as well with my soul with Jim. You see, church, sometimes I think we just get so busy. There's something else. There's something different. There's something better. There's someone. And I want us to ask the Lord tonight. God, every time, every day, every place I go, whether it's at the gas station or the store, if we're truly guided by the Lord and we're submissive to his leading and he's he's orchestrating our path and he's putting people in our place. He's putting people in our place that we love, that we forbear, that we meet their need. And I wonder how many times God has a Jim or a Jessica or a Larray or a Doug Davison, or he puts them right in front of us, a, a Robert and Tracy and Alan puts them right in front of us. And we're looking past it to get to the next thing. And they just need someone to forbear. What if we took the time to stand with someone long enough so they don't fall? And it's so interesting, church. I look across as I'm, as I'm, as I'm looking, I'm looking out and I'm seeing family after family after family after family after family. That I can say, yep, I know, I know his need. <laughs> yep, I know her need. I know her need. Yep. And when we come and the body of Christ comes together, we've got to come together, learn doctrine, learn the word of God, be grounded in it. Take that and be submissive to the Lord. And then allow our behavior to change so that God can use us. So what we've learned out of God's word can be revealed in how we behave. So someone sees us and says, that's what Christ would do. That's how Christ would be. That's how Christ would act. That's what Christ would, he'd stop, he'd stop everything he's doing. And he'd look up in a tree and he'd say, Zacchaeus? He'd stop everything he'd do, he's doing, and he'd say, wait, somebody just touched me. They're all, they're all touching you. No, no, no. 
someone just touched me and had faith. He'd sit with a Nicodemus at night and ask, answer his questions. Church, that's what forbearing is and doing it in love and doing it in a, in a, in a place in love. I wrote this down in love with pure motives. In love with pure motives because of what Christ did for me. With pure motive and pure, out, the pure um, um, outcome is this, so that Christ is exalted, not me. Why do we forbear? Why do we love what? So people know how good we are? No. So people know how good he is. So people know. I know I've mentioned this young girl, Jessica's name. But I just think how awesome it is that God knows that someone needs help. And he would send them here. And how awesome it is that someone that needs to know him and they would hear the gospel message preached and be gloriously saved. And then, then a, a stranger would sit with her and minister to her and meet her needs. That's what church ought to be. And it's not for it to be because somebody else behaves that way. It should be that way because we're behaving that way. And could you imagine what God could do with an army of his children willing to forbear in love, meeting the need of others, caring for someone, praying with someone, taking the time to stop everything we're doing. I, I, I don't come to church so I can get out of church. I come to church. So God, who do I need to be? Who, who do I need to minister to? Well, he put me in front of you, so you got a problem. So tell me what it is. You might as well tell me, because I'm not leaving until you do. <laughs> Let's pray, Father. Lord, would you, would you make us what you want us to be? Lord, tonight my heart is just so heavy because so many people are hurting. Lord, you don't want just one person to meet needs. You, you've called us all to. There's people tonight in this room that are struggling. There may be someone tonight here that just, they're, they're lonely. And Lord, they can't come to your house where your children abide and, and not get touched. Or maybe there's someone tonight that just needs someone to, to pray with them. Deeper than just a, hey, how are you? But a, a friendship, Lord, that's developed and where Christ is exalted. And so, Lord, I just pray that you slow us down. Lord, help us to, to acknowledge that we are prisoners of the Lord. You get to decide. You get to decide where we go. You get to decide where we turn. You get to decide who we talk to. We're just going to submit to it. Lord, I pray that our church would be the place where when someone would see it, they'd see your children holding up other people. It looks weird. It, it's uncomfortable. Lord, but it's what you do. You know, it's what you've called us to do. Because Lord, when we were dead in trespasses and sin, you came and you died and you saved us. You took our sin on, on the tree. You left heaven and became man so that we could be redeemed back to you. You didn't leave us to fall. You did something. You came 
You died. You ministered so that we could have life. And Lord, when we realize what you've done for us and how great of a price you paid for us, it really doesn't make it difficult then to, to serve others, to forbear. So Lord, make us like Timothy, the reputation that he had. Give us a reputation like Epaphroditus had, one of ministry, one of care, one of concern, one of encouragement. One of when Timothy comes, we know our needs are going to be met. May we be that Timothy. And so Lord, tonight even, before we leave, may we be an encouragement. Give us a heart to care. Give us a heart of concern. Make us Christ-like. Mold us into your image, we pray. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.